3: The wings are extra spicy for everyone this week. Oh, there's good gang in that sauce, man. I'm gonna have more fried ribs, especially Danny. Say woo! This is Danny and Dusty on Super Week.
1: Brought to you by George McCoy at Warren Allen Attorneys at Law. Injured? Don't trust just anyone to something so personal. Call George McCoy at Warren Allen online at WarrenAllen.com. We're there.
3: We're there. We're there. On
4: 1080. Let's go, boys!
5: Get it on there, score! The fan. Portland Trailblazers uh, stumbled last night against a top flight team in the Milwaukee Bucks. 127 108. Not a lot of great performances, really, from anybody on the Blazers roster. But as the team was uh, hitting the struggle bus, uh, questions were starting to be asked about what's going on with. Nasir Little. And you, my friend, were the one to ask the questions to Chauncey Billups.
1: Yeah, I, I've been kind of wondering what's going on. here. Here's his uh, minutes played over what was it, the last 12 games. 16, 12, 17, 13, 17, 32, oh, 30, whoa. 13, 13, 15, 10, 12. Okay. So you got those two spikes in there.
5: And then a whole lot of nothing. And then
1: basically 14-ish, 13-ish minutes a night.
5: So you asked uh, Chauncey Billups... But why?
6: I mean, you just got to kind of be consistent, you know. Um, Nas is a guy who we all know can really shoot it, you know. Um, he's been very inconsistent, and when he came back, he was obviously making shots, you know, and things I talk with Nas about is just so many missed assignments defensively. And I just always have felt like when you're a reserve and when you're coming off of the bench, you, your, your margin of error is really small, you know, you got to kind of do most things right, you know, um, and that's the only way you earn more and earn more, you know, because you are a reserve. And some nights, you know, Nas does a really good job, and some nights he struggles. It just it just is what it is. Nas is still a very young player. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's not always, even for all of our younger guys, it's not the shot-making that's always going to keep you on the floor. Um, it's all the other things.
5: I actually appreciate that Chauncey Billups is, is being honest because we went through a lot of time and I understood why he did it, but uh, Terry would never said anything like that about a guy in in protection of, of his players. He was protect his players number one, two, three, and four. Mm-hmm. It is also very telling that of all the defensive faults that this team has, that Nasir Little is the one that he's willing to put that onus on.
1: The counter to the whole idea of... of- being anti-Terry in this regard is, how well does this translate in that locker room? Yeah. Because you have to wonder, look, Nasir has, has made mistakes. There's no doubt about that, particularly in the last couple of weeks. I've noticed them. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not a basketball genius, but I'd like to think that I've watched enough film that no general mistake makes that, that that occur. flip side of that is Shaden Sharp makes significantly more frequent mistakes, and mm-hmm. they're bad why is he getting 20-plus minutes a night guaranteed? Yeah. And there is a hierarchy in the NBA. Not everybody is treated as equally or as fair. That's the reality. It's, it's no different than in the NFL mm-hmm. or Major League Baseball. When you are a higher draft pick and teams are invested in you, until you show you clear a certain threshold of, like, I don't know, Giannis, who's a 13th pick, you know, he's not – Not earth shattering. He's not a top five, but all of a sudden you start showing stuff that, you know, Jokic, who's a second round pick, you start showing stuff that, you know, gets you to another another level of status. That happens. But I do wonder if that level of inconsistency as it pertains to a Shaden Sharp, if that doesn't become problematic for this team.
5: And I'll also say with, with Nasir Little, the biggest concern with him heading into the draft was. His outside shot.
1: His outside shot. And, and so
5: he ha- he's not a great shooter anyways, but by nature, he's had to work very hard at improving his outside and shot. He,
1: and he has been good.
5: Yeah, he has been. He,
1: it, the, even Chauncey says, it, like, look, Nas can shoot it. He can shoot that thing. Yep. So the, it's, it's an interesting dynamic at play hmm. of Nasir Little is bigger, stronger, longer. And look, man, I saw him 360 between his legs throw down a reverse. You want to talk about athleticism, listen, Shaden Sharp is a different level, but if you're talking about putting more athletes on the floor, being bigger, being longer, being stronger, you're not going to find many better on this team or in the NBA, frankly, than Nasir Little.
5: Where's the disconnect with him then on that end of the floor?
1: I think it's just IQ and learning. And I think the, the part of this that's problematic is that at times, Chauncey has said, you know, he's leaving Shaden Sharp out there to learn through
5: mistakes. And that right there, what what you just said, though, is you, this is the big problem with a lot of guys. It, you have to play. Mm-hmm. You have got, and that's what they're going through with Shane Sharp is yep. they're saying you have got to play They're speeding his development up. In, in order for that IQ to grow for those mistakes to be corrected. And for you to have that process, the unfortunate thing for Nasir little is twofold one fold, uh, Entering the league with Terry Stotts who, and Neil O'Shea, which were prone not to play young players, and two injuries after that. You know, like, yeah. those are two very big things that have held him back. The biggest from, thing being the, inj- being the injuries. From that development. Mm-hmm. But either either one of them, though, because Terry never played young guys, and we knew that. Yeah. And because we were all told the windows now, and you play your the best. The onus we- was on winning. Yeah. You do
1: not. Do not play young
5: guys. Development took yeah, a it was rear, secondary was in the back seats. Yes. So,
1: and it's going to be interesting to see how this kind of plays out. And look, I don't, I don't think the locker room's divided or anything along those lines. It's not what I'm, what no. I'm implying. But I do wonder if some eyebrows are are raised if Nasir Little is a guy who brings the juice, who brings the energy, something that the, this team desperately needs. Brings some shooting, which they, they've shown to need. And I mean. Nasir gets out there more often than not playing the three. I'd maybe like to see him play the two a little bit and knock some of Shaden's minutes down.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I have no problem with Shaden getting developmental minutes. Like, I I didn't think they were going to get him more than 12 or 15 minutes a game this year.
5: He's, I like I like it. Even after last, last night was the first time, we talked about this earlier, Mm-hmm. But last night was the first time that we saw him go through that a bad night. zombie walk yeah. in quite some time. In the rookies, it happens a lot. And last night, was a struggle. But he, he did lead the team in offensive rebounding because he was the only One. guy to get in an offensive and rebound on the entire team. Yes. So there's mm-hmm. that. But it was last night was the first time we really it really looked like a struggle bus for him. And
1: Shaden is a guy who I think if you're talking about looking if we're, if we're talking about young guys and, and, and peeling back the flaws. I feel like he can kind of go through the motions sometimes. Yeah. What Nasir Little doesn't do is go through the motions. He yeah. kind of plays with his hair on fire. Which, if you're going to make mistakes, I prefer that.
5: Can he be the goon that I've been looking for on this team? Then, Perhaps. if you have a like, like honestly, we're talking about find a role, mm-hmm. find something that works for you. Like uh, Pat Connaughton is a great example. We saw him last night. Connaughton He's a was professional a professional role player. Pat Connaughton was a guy kind of searching for that role mm-hmm. in Portland, and then got to Milwaukee. And flourished yeah. in it, and absolutely like that. Find that role and own it. Yeah,
1: he's up. He's a very
5: good backup guard. And for a guy of of Nasir, little size, he because because you're right. He does have size for being six foot five. Was he like six five two twenty, 220, two twenty five? Uh, he is not this slender, you know, the slight of frame guy. And the, he plays with an intensity, right? And he plays with a with great energy, like that should translate to the defensive end. If you can harness that, then you have a very good role player. That's the hard part about it, though, is that his biggest deficiency is on the end that he could probably bring the most value to this team, and that's on defense.
1: Yes, and I think that there's there's been this, um, I don't want to say uproar, but a groundswell from the Portland fan base about Nasir getting more minutes. I tend to defer to coaches on minutes distributions. I, I will nitpick a little bit just because again, Shaden Sharp making a lot of mistakes. Nasir, even if he's making mistakes, I think you can probably balance the two a little bit better, a little more, more amicably. And I think that would probably do not wonders, but I think that would be good for the locker room. Cause what, what was Chauncey bulbs brought in for that? Everybody just rang that bell of accountability. Oh, yeah. I, I think consistency in that accountability, um, for not only the fan base, but the locker room would be something that, to, to kind of point at.
5: But there is a big difference between year one in the league and year three. Mm-hmm. Year four. Year four. Yeah, year four. No. Yeah. There is. No doubt about it. I think that's where Chauncey is. The, and
1: again, they're not they're not the same.
5: 503-250-1080. That's a fan text. And we'll get to some of your feedback. But coming up next, we head down to Phoenix. Site of Super Bowl 57. A.J. McCord's down there for all things Super Bowl. We'll talk to McCord, not not just about Super Bowl, too, uh, but yesterday, big day here in Rip City. Danny and Dusty on the fan.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours
3: Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. It's a Super Week edition of Danny and Dusty Brought to you
1: by George McCoy at Warren Allen Attorneys at Law On
3: 1080 The Fan
5: Super Bowl 57 is Sunday In Arizona, I don't know if anybody's planning on watching it But it's going to happen I might put it on yeah, um, We now bring on, live from beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, who... Uh, she doesn't need any introduction, but I'll give one to her anyways. Uh, she is the Oregon Sports Reporter of the Year for the year 2021-22. And she's the former uh, co-host of this show, who has now been replaced by Danny Marang, Uh Because... She downgraded and is working for the World Surfing League and going to really cool places all around Mm -hmm. the world. It's AJ McCord, everybody. She's back. (laughs) Hi, AJ. Hi, guys.
7: How's it going? Hello.
5: Uh, We're doing great. Uh, Look, I got questions. I got got questions. Um, Oh,
7: I'm so terrified.
5: So um how big of a bummer is it to be you know covering these z- surfing events all around the world on beaches all over instead of being in uh, a dark studio with snakes in it
7: uh yeah well if there hadn't been snakes dusty but really from day one <laughs> you told me there's gonna be snakes in this yeah, office yeah, and yeah. from that point on yeah. My days are numbered. I yeah. don't exist around snakes. It's yeah. just not not from You and Rob,
5: you and Rob are, are alike in that <laughs> regard. But uh, no, tell me about the what, what you've been up to because this is like you're you're living the dream right now, McCord.
7: I know it's pretty fun. I had so much fun though, Dusty, in that year that we got to do our show. Danny, it has been so fun hearing your voice alongside Dusty. You guys have just such fun chemistry i love the in-depth blazer stuff and uh staying in depth with it even when i'm sure it's difficult to do so so i have loved the chemistry that you guys have had but um yeah i'm i'm super stoked i left uh portland in june of last year and i started freelancing full time which um, led to world surf league picking me up pretty quick to do a lot of freelancing with them um yeah I'm sure many people remember I am from San Diego, so surfing is something that I've done since i was I could stand. I have audio pictures <laughs> of my dad putting me on a board, and I'm pretty sure I actually wasn't able to stand, and my dad just was like holding me up there so um it's something that I have loved my entire life, and getting a chance to tell the stories of these surfers is pretty incredible because I think I was also a gymnast, so like Olympic sports is always something that I'm pretty passionate about, and I think You know, surfing is one of those sports that looks super glamorous, and it is, I'm not going to lie, like being on work assignments in Hawaii and Portugal, (laughs) like, I'm not complaining about any of that. And also, the work that these athletes have to put in to be ready for that, there's so much pressure with the sponsors and with, you know, when you're a league that's still growing, it's just so different, the pressure that you face as an athlete then if you're in the NBA, NFL, these leagues that are not going anywhere and you're sort of like a replaceable cog if you will, right? Like the NBA will keep going regardless of who's playing in the league whereas, you know, WSL is a league that is still really trying to make a name for itself and with surfing being the Olympics for so the second time next year, it's just a really cool time for me to come alongside and tell the stories of these athletes. The female surfers in particular are just so freaking impressive and you know, I get to interview Kelly Slater, I've picked up some Portuguese here and there, so it's been it's been a lot of fun
1: uh before we dive into the old uh, big game uh down there in phoenix- <laughs> when was the last time you hit a pipe a, a surf pipe I should say
7: <laughs> Whoa. Oh like a barrel <laughs> yeah wait <laughs> okay uh so pipe is the wave that is happening right now, the big contest, mm-hmm. but a barrel uh You know, I'm not really, I'm a little bit more of a longboarder, so I get barreled every once in a while. I did paddle out uh, at, like, they call it the sandbar, so it's right next to Pipeline on Oahu uh, two days ago, and the waves were, like, pretty overhead, so I got what they call, like, a little bit of a shampoo, so that means that you're not actually in the barrel, because if you're in the barrel, then the wave's obviously going all the way around you, but if it's not big enough to like be inside, then you just put your head under a little bit, and they call it getting a little little saltwater shampoo. So, like two days ago, I guess. Nice. See, I I, <laughs> I I wanted
1: to just show just how 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 ingrained in the surf life you have become now.
5: <laughs> well, I know. And now you go uh, from beaches to uh, desert, which there's sand. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> significant <laughs> lack of water, <laughs> lack apparently. Of water. <laughs> But uh, yeah, much less. You and I were texting, and you were at a women in sports brunch today, uh, down in Phoenix, where the Super Bowl is, and uh, it just like coincidentally yesterday we had the WNBA with Ron Wyden here in Portland talking about a push and in, in potentially getting a team to yes. Portland. And I know that's something that that you were excited about. You were pressing for when you were here. Um, they're saying that it'll be a few years. At, at the earliest that, that Portland gets a team. Um but you know, you were close to that, the kind of that conversation mm-hmm. about the WNBA in Portland. Does that make you excited knowing that the that Portland could be close now to getting a team?
7: Oh my gosh, absolutely. Some of my favorite memories from my time covering local sports in Portland were the was March Madness when Oregon was in it. Um, at Moda Center, and that place was going crazy when Sabrina was cutting down the nets and all of those games. The games in Corvallis, like there's just such an appetite for women's basketball, in particular, in Portland. You have all the history with the franchises that have been there in the past. The sports bra is now, you know, a a international phenomenon, making it Portland on the map for places that are pushing for women's sports. And actually, Ari Chambers, who is the founder of Highlight Her. She was the red carpet host for this event that LaTanya Story puts on. It's the fourth annual event. It's such an awesome thing where just women in sports, whether it's NFL, NBA, WNBA, whatever, marketing agencies, everyone comes together. And it's really an inspiring brunch. And um, I was literally coming off of a red eye and I was like still jazzed through it. So that's how attention grabbing it was. Um, to give you an idea, but I think Portland is such a good market still for WNBA. I think that, um, yeah, it's proven, right? Like, we've seen how they've sold out for March Madness. We've seen how Matthew Knight Arena for those years, especially when Sabrina and Ruthie and Satsu, who are all now thriving in the WNBA, people got – like, people went in on those, and there's – I just think it's so great. Anytime you talk about expansion with the WNBA, it's just a long overdue conversation, and Portland should still absolutely, like, make no mistake, I may not live there anymore. I still push for Portland, like, any chance I get. And I'm sure, like, I will be back for those summers. I, I miss the the Northwest summers. There's still nowhere else in the world that I think is quite as special.
1: Well, those are the only months that we can actually, you know, accept people willingly here. That's how that works. <laughs> you, you know this. Um, you're in a place that's significantly more warmer right now in Phoenix, uh, what's the kind of the general sense ahead of the Super Bowl? how, how, are, how are things kind of feeling how are things kind of adding up uh, What a little more than a, what five days away now?
7: Yeah, I mean I really you guys I, I got on a flight at 11 o'clock last night, Hawaii time. I landed at 8 a.m. Phoenix time and I went straight to the brunch. So mm-hmm. I am still like getting my feet under me in Phoenix, but I am basing out of Arizona, so I know like even before I left for this last event with the WSL, um everyone's stoked here i mean i think there's there's a there's a handful of places that people are very excited to travel to in the month of february phoenix is one of them because it's like sunny and 65 and people in arizona are like oh it's kind of chilly like i might want to bring a jacket (laughs) so i think that people are excited there's all this signage up this is my third straight super bowl that i'll like be attending the week before and um it's so nice to have the sunshine and um people certainly getting into town when i got into the airport this morning a ton of super bowl signage welcome committee the whole 9 yards so um i think it's going to be great
5: what uh you're you're actually doing some some work down there with the nfl health and with their alumni the nfl alumni health um Gatherings, because this is like this is where the NFL just all comes together. Whether it's current players who are not playing in the Super Bowl, alumni as a whole, it, it is like you run the entire gamut. Can you set the scene of kind of what it looks like from your perspective this week with so many things? Whether you know, it's not like you're having to burn the candle at both ends out in front of the stadium at two o'clock in the morning, like you were <laughs> when you were covering it for for Coin and across the country but now you're you're in a different role doing different things but everybody's Mm -hmm. coming down in one spot what do the next few days look like in phoenix arizona as they get ready for the game
7: yeah i'm i'm super excited for how i'm sort of helping both the nfl alumni health and then rolf Banershka, who was a kicker for the san diego chargers um for years and years he um actually had to have an emergency he collapsed on team play and had to have emergency surgery diagnosed with um, IBD, had Crohn's disease, had to go through all this crazy medical stuff, returned to the field and played for another four seasons in the NFL. So if you guys don't know his story, it's incredible. But his company actually helped put on this thing called the Huddle Study last year that I helped him sort of do some coordinating and story gathering for content creation around. um, We went to eight different cities around the country and um, ended up helping Right around 500 NFL alumni and their partners get really critical health screen, uh, heart health screening, so like EKGs, ECHOs, all this stuff, and saved several lives, including Willie Buchanan, who played for the Packers and the Chargers. He came in, learned what the, the symptoms of a stroke were, and then three days later found himself having one. And because of what he had learned three days before at the huddle study, he was able to recognize the symptoms, get the help he needed to, and he's actually coming out to Radio Road to share his story this week. So I think today is sort of the the gathering day, if you will. It's kind of the last day before everything really starts gearing up. Radio Road is tomorrow. I think it's going to be certainly bigger than I have seen it. Last year in LA was a very, um, you know, it sort of felt returned to return to pre-COVID sort of hustle and bustle. But this year, from the radio stations I've been talking to, networks, things like that, everyone is going to be in town this week. So it feels a little bit like, uh, you know, the NFL sort of community is able to really get together the way that they haven't been able to in the last two or three years. And so I think you're going, to see, you're going to see the return of a lot of parties that have not been happening for the last two years. You're going to see the return of a lot of radio stations. And so for me, I'm excited to actually get to, Um, experience a lot of that because I loved my experience the last two years with COIN when I was working with Nexstar and doing live shots and telling stories for stations around the country. But this year is so much more low key. And so I'm excited to actually like get a chance to experience some of the Super Bowl atmosphere as opposed to like really being able to tell you what my one spot in front of the stadium felt like. From dawn
5: to death. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm sure with you know all that work that you guys were doing with Damar Hamlin happening front and center uh, yeah. in front of everybody's eyes, the entire world mm-hmm. watching. I'm sure that there's been this big swell of support to to get out there because it's not just the, the current players, it's former players that need to be watching far more than just their brain health, which has been rightfully so such a big conversation. They need to work, look at the full body health because of, of it's hard on your body to, to be an NFL player and, and you kind of miss out on a lot of the, the little things if, if you're not looking for them and know yeah. where to look
7: well and dusty you know this from from all of the stories that we have talked through and conversations that we've had but that is so much of what i'm passionate about and that is so much of like what i feel is my purpose in this space is bringing attention to the human being underneath the jersey and that means when they take that jersey off for the last time reminding people these are still human beings like these are still people who deserve to have the resources, the education, the understanding to take care of themselves and to know what that looks like, especially when you're talking about NFL players or former professional athletes who have put their bodies on the line for 10 years or more for our enjoyment, right? Like we get so much joy and excitement and inspiration from watching these guys play football but then what? Like, what happens when they go from the one? Like, what happens when the lights turn off, for lack of a better sort of uh, comparison there? And that's what Rolf's company, Legacy, the NFL Alumni Health, the NFLPA, everybody is really pushing that conversation forward. And of course, like you mentioned, with the complete like traumatic scare that happened with Demar heart health is something that affects a ton of people especially in the nfl demographic over a certain age and it's something that that um is is a story that needs to be told because it's it's a for the most part if you understand the symptoms and can catch it early and do these screenings then it's something that doesn't necessarily have to be life-threatening and so um, that's the really cool part, I think, is I love the stories that I got to tell for Nexar and, and the bringing you guys to the Super Bowl, let me tell you what I see, what I feel, you know, what I'm hearing, but, like, this story is one that we've already seen save lives, yeah. and that is something that, for me, is, like, that's the purpose, right? Like, that is what I feel like my whole reason is is just to remind people who who these athletes are when they take off the jersey and – And to be inspired by that as much as you're inspired by the way that they tackled or they ran or they threw or whatever they did on the football field.
5: McCord, thanks for stopping by. And uh, I know you're starting a betting show soon, right?
7: Uh, yeah, a little bit of an NBA betting show. Uh, yeah. You
5: degenerate.
7: I got you. You (laughs) You degenerate. I actually think this is your fault, Dusty. I think somewhere in its roots, I feel like this comes back to you.
5: Perfect. Hey, uh, let me know (laughs) if you need a spotter in Tahiti or Portugal or, you you know, or Hawaii. He's calling those. Yeah. I'm very bad, but... And, and i may i may be gone and disappear for long stretches but uh, i'll go for the word. <laughs> look all i want is the,
1: is you know the argentina and peruvian ones you okay. can have the others so I, the funny I want the thing south american
7: is fans. where was everybody when i was covering high school football in arkansas because nobody oh. was asking mm. to be my assistant and now i'm just i'm just curious
5: I don't play a yeah, banjo. Yeah, I what I, thought. I can play a ukulele, not a banjo. Yeah, my, my harmonica uh, skills are
1: not up to par.
5: <laughs> McCord, thanks, oh thanks for God. popping in. We miss you. Uh, and have fun at the Super Bowl this week.
7: Anytime. I miss you guys, too. Hello to everybody in Portland. It's been so fun catching up. We'll do it again soon.
5: AJ McCord. Uh, World Surfing League reporter. She's down in uh, Phoenix for the Super Bowl. Not
7: Good remotely jealous on. of
5: the,
1: her coverage at all.
5: No, no. Super Bowl
1: World Surfing it's like,
5: League. Uh, just ass, got like, back from
1: Hawaii in the middle of yeah. February.
5: Got that red eye out of Hawaii. Yeah, I just landed in Bowl. Phoenix. You know, yeah. it's, it's kick ass, ugh. man. Uh, I'm happy for. No, uh, too. All right, AJ McCord. Uh, live from F- Pahonix where there's a buzz growing now. The buzz is growing, and it's not just drunk people anymore.
1: I did get an mm. email.
5: I got an email.
1: From oh, a drunk person?
5: No, uh, close. Mm. I got an email. Uh, uh, let me open this thing. It's from a guy named Kevin. Mm. That's all it says. Um, it's like literally, you know, when you get an email, it has the person's like full name usually or where they work from. Nope, this one's just from Kevin, and uh, I have been invited. I've been extended an invitation to the Heisman. Um, it's founded by NFL legend Ricky Williams. Uh huh. It's an invite only to a the Heisman House, but Heisman is spelled H-I-G-H-S.
1: Oh, M-A-M. nice! It's the weed place.
5: Yeah, it's a a three day party hosted by Ricky Williams. He loves weed, so I won't be there, but I was invited. Mm. I, I got invited to the party. Is it
1: legal in Arizona now?
5: No idea. No idea. Don't think so. Yeah, I say I, I yeah. feel
1: like they're not full legal.
5: That's a thing, though. Mm. That's a thing. Right. And uh, look, you can watch the you can watch the big party with with him. I bet you that'd be fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Bare minimum, Ricky Williams fun fun good times had by all all right uh you've got to go to the doctor yeah, because you're literally
1: going to go set my surgery date
5: yeah they're not going to cut you up today but no. you're going to figure out when you're going to get cut up when we come back um look russell wilson has been told <laughs> not so fast my friend first is rust with sports center <laughs>
3: a Super Week edition of Danny and Dusty. Brought to you by George McCoy at Warren Allen,
5: Attorneys at Law. On 1080 The Fail. I love this song. It's my prerogative, okay? Yeah, gotta let Bobby Brown marinate. Do we have to let Bobby Brown marinate? Isn't Bobby Brown marinating like a lot of people in trouble? (laughs) Bobby Brown didn't marinate a lot. <laughs> all right. Um, yesterday, Sean Payton was introduced as head coach of the Denver Broncos. Uh, Broncos country, let's ride! Is all very excited about this, um, and I wonder how excited Russell Wilson is. Because remember last year, Nathaniel Hackett when he came in, he got his franchise quarterback that they gave a quarter of a billion dollars to, and Russell Wilson. They let Russ. Kind of run rough shot gave him his own office his his court his personal quarterback coach had a had an office in the building we've all heard of all this and everybody's like this is bizarro world what is going on in denver things that had been unheard of in an nfl franchise well sean payton was asked about it and if you're russell wilson that carte blanche that you had before is gone.
8: Coach, uh, Russell Wilson had a, a personal coach, Jake Heaps, in the building with access who wasn't on the staff. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with that. How do you feel about um, players having their own people off the staff in the
0: building, access to the players? Yeah,
8: that's foreign to me. That That's not going to take place here. I mean, I, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with it, but our staff will be here, our players will be here, and that'll be it.
5: <laughs> the look on Sean Payton's face when that was said to him was like... Uh, what? But that—that's I'm unfamiliar with this. Like, yeah, that's this is something new uh, that I'm just learning right now. <laughs> that Jake Heaps was in the building, and Jake Heaps. Uh, hey, shout out! I think he's from Sammamish. Um, he's a he's a the Northwest guy, and he is regarded as one of the one of the great quarterback coaches in the region. You know, him having. <laughs> A, a spot in that building, but not being a Broncos employee. Yeah, that that all is going to go away because one thing that Russell Wilson can benefit from the most is having the structure of Sean Payton, and that's the one thing that Drew Brees. You hear Drew Brees talk to about Sean Payton and what he can do for Russell Wilson. It is he will be the best thing that happens to Russ because he knows how to extend the back nine of a career as long as you possibly can. He did it with Drew Brees, and he maximized it. And he, all you have to do, you have to be willing to listen. You have to be willing to be coached, and coached hard. And that'll be the the fascinating part for me, is can Russell Wilson ha- allow Sean Payton to do that?
9: Yeah, because I don't think he's been coached hard very much in his entire career. It seems like, you know, Pete, and his, they kind of let him do his own thing up in Seattle, even yeah. as much as they maybe had... Butted some heads. It sounds like now afterwards.
5: Well, in but, in, in the, the amazing thing of what you're saying there is that when Russell Wilson had so much success, the most success of his career, going to back to back Super Bowls, it was before it was Russell Wilson was Russell Wilson. It was a team protecting a young quarterback, yeah, who
9: still had how to all cook. of the
5: tools, it's still learning how to cook. But you know what the best thing about Sean Payton will be? Is that he will mold an offense that will protect Russell Wilson, and, and it's not like you—you you don't save the day, you don't—you are not in the prime of your career. But the hard part about that is you have to have those reality checks. You have to have those moments of uncomfortableness. And I, there was a a great podcast. Like, I've ne- I love Tom Brady more than anything. He has wow, given me really? so much joy in my I, life. I didn't know that. I love him. Yeah. I, I love him. <laughs> I listened to the Let's Go podcast for the first time. Mm-hmm. There's been nothing about a Tom Brady podcast, especially with Jim Gray, that I've wanted to listen to. Right. Until yesterday when Bill Belichick went on. And there there is an idea that it was Bill Belichick versus Tom Brady. And they butted heads. But listen to the reverence that Tom Brady speaks of Bill Belichick when when you hear this clip uh, uh, from their podcast that they did together.
4: I think for me, there's nobody I'd rather be associated with. And I think that from my standpoint, it was such a stupid conversation to say, you know, Brady versus Belichick. Because in my mind, that's not what partnerships are about. Coach couldn't play quarterback and I couldn't coach. And <laughs> I think the best part about... The best part about football is, and the coach says it a lot, do your job. And he asked me to play quarterback, coach, and you know, I didn't want him playing quarterback. I just wanted him to coach. <laughs> I'd seen him throw, so he definitely wasn't playing quarterback. <laughs> in my view, it was just people always trying to pull us apart, and I don't think we ever even felt that with each other. We never were trying to pull each other apart. We actually were always trying to go in the same direction. And I think when we were in New England for twenty years together, you know, it's tired. They get tired of riding the same story so you know once they write all the nice things and championships and this and then they just start going well this works let's start trying to divide them i never really appreciated those you know ways that people would try to do that he and i always had a great relationship and we met all the time and did we always see everything exactly the same way who does in life you know what close relationship can you have where everything goes you know like a bright, sunny day. No, there are moments that, you know, it was never intolerable. I mean, but it was always just, I would say healthy debates about certain things. And we always talked about him face to face. And I think there's one thing I appreciate about coach Belichick in life is he's not afraid to have a hard conversation too. And we didn't always agree, but we always respected each other. I know he respected me for the job that I did, and I certainly did the same. And I think even when you go away from each other, you respect each other probably that much more. I certainly did because I realized the commitment that he was trying to make to get our team to win.
5: That, to me, when you hear that, that's what Russell Wilson needs the most. You know, he said – you know, Brady would say that they met weekly, if not more than once a week. Bill Belichick, the greatest defensive mind in football in Tom Brady – the best quarterback in football, and they would meet and they would butt heads regularly on, on what they saw and the best way to attack it. But at the end of the day, if you hear what Tom Brady says right there, which is they had that mutual respect, and I didn't want to be a coach and, because he was the coach, and I didn't want him being the quarterback because I'm the quarterback, and you can't blur those lines. I think the whole let Russ Cook thing, in Seattle was him telling the coaches what he, well, we know that's what he wanted to do. And it was very clear. I think the best thing that can happen for Russell Wilson in Denver is Sean Payton saying, that's all done. And if you want to be great, let's pull in the same direction. Let's get the damn thing done. It doesn't have to be, you know, everything is great. Everything is positive like you had with Pete Carroll all those years. But you can't try to tell me how to do my job. Right. And you are the quarterback of this team. When stuff goes out on the field, you control that. Yeah. You control all of
9: it. And having a first-year head coach, or as young as the heck it was. Yeah at the helm for Russell Wilson coming in, that was just kind of a recipe for
5: disaster. It didn't help. It didn't help one bit. Uh, Bill Belichick, though, talked about uh, the idea of Bill versus Tom as well. And I just want to play this because it's Bill Belichick sounding like a human being.
8: I've always said this. Tom's heard it every year, time after time. Players win games. Players win games. You can't win games without great players. And coaches can lose them. And if coaches don't give the players a good opportunity, put them, a, give them a chance where they can have a fair fight and, and can win on their ability, then, you know, great players can't overcome bad coaching. So, to me, my job was always give the team a chance to win, put together a good team. And, you know, Tom was the greatest player on many, many good teams that we had. But it's teams that win championships. Uh, and, and I'd say the one thing about Tom that it, it was always – impressive is how he was the target every week he had the bullseye on his back every week and every week he came through and delivered and tom could always bring out the best of their skills so it was james white um uh, you know running backs or whoever whatever the position was kevin falk you know he made all those players great by understanding what their strengths were and understood how to use their strengths Ultimately, again, of all the things that Tom was great at, I think that was, you know, really his top quality was he made everybody around him better and utilized the skills that those players had and avoided the ones maybe they weren't as good at.
5: Right there. That may be the way to sum it up with Russ too, is get back to doing that because that's what he was the best at early in his career, highlighting those guys that are around him, propping them up. Um, in Sean Payton... Russ I don't think I don't think Russ is, is washed. He has got some miles left on his tires. Yeah, he's just got fun. just
9: got to get the right brain behind him figuring out how to get back to what he was.
5: Well, yeah, and it takes his brain too. It yes. is having a willingness to do it. 503-250-1080 Danny and Dusty on the fan.
3: It's a Super Week edition of Danny and Dusty. Brought to you by George McCoy
5: and Warren Allen, Attorneys at Law.
3: On 1080 The Fan. She's
5: Look at you sneaking in Hollow Notes on a Friday, or on a Tuesday, not a Friday. I don't know, this, is, this, is a, this has always been in our regular rotator. I know, I like Hollow Notes. Yeah. You know who loves Hollow Notes? you You know who loves Hollow Who that? Our big boss lady. Kim, oh yeah, loves Hall and Oates. I could
9: see Kim being a Hall and Oates fan, fan. Yeah. I was talking about
5: Hall and Oates, and she ran into ran into her office and came out and was like, "Check this out! Bang, <laughs> signed record. Ooh, in the office. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah." She says, "I don't know which one it is. Oates is the short one, right?" Uh, yeah. Darryl Hall Darryl and, and John, John, Oates. O- John Oates. John Oates, is, I
9: think, has the yeah, like the 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 the, the perm.
5: Oh, the perm and just the, the caterpillar just crawling across his lip. Yeah. Yeah. She's a short man. Very short man.
9: Reminds me of an old anecdote from uh, uh, the All Fantasy Everything podcast from Sean Jordan. He talked mm. about his mom, how she she, uh, she talks about Hall notes and, and she goes, yeah, I really like Hall.
5: <laughs> okay. <laughs> just Hall. No, that oats guy. Nope. nope not so much. Not at all. You know, who is a... You know what is probably the most jarring sh- short person in Hollywood? Ooh, do tell. Because I don't think of him being this short. Like, everybody knows to- Tom Cruise, short right. man, right? Yes. five, And he's like 5'8". You know how tall uh, Al Pacino is?
9: What's he about a five? Five, five, six. He's a 5'6-er. Is he a 5'6-er? I
5: didn't, I thought Pacino would be taller than 5'6". He just seems like he carries a larger
9: stature, yeah. Well,
5: absolutely he does.
9: Yeah. And uh, apparently Sly Stallone, like, sneaky short, too.
5: Yes, Stallone is, like, 5'8", 5'9". Yeah. Yeah. Like, like,
9: I I have a hard time believing that I'm taller than Sly Stallone. Or, like, you know, eye-to-eye with him at the very least. Yeah, that is true. You know what I mean? Yeah. That
5: just feels wrong. It does. It's Rocky. It's Rocky Balboa. Wait, how tall is uh Dolph Lundgren then? Ooh, that's a good question.
9: I think he's a bigger dude, I want to say.
5: Yeah, because to think of the angles you have to work with on that on that one right there. Right. I mean, you're you're shooting some angles. That's really tough. In, in that boxing scene. How do you that, see? These are all these are all the questions that I just don't have the answers to. Uh when I Everett <laughs> Rop is back in the building, Primetime Dolph, is coming up. What? Dolph Lundgren, six five. See? Now, that is the cinematographer for Rocky Four deserves an award right? for being able to sell that as a fair fight, even though it really wasn't. Um, as I was saying, Isaac Ropp, back from Las Vegas, he is so excited. He survived. To start this radio show. Um, which, which 80s celebrity did he almost kill on this trip? Um, because the last time mm-hmm. I remember, he almost killed Kenny Loggins with, with the COVIDs the last time. Did Rop almost kill an 80s icon? That, coming in the next four hours. Primetime with Isaac and Sue is next. Both of the guys back. No bucks still. No Buck. Maybe that's who Rob killed. Ryan Buckley. All right, have a great Tuesday. We'll both be back on uh, Wednesday from noon to 3. This has been Danny and Dusty on The Fan.
3: V.D. America! V.D.
1: My legs are short and stubby, and there's not a whole lot of length to spread those things out. So you, there's got to be some flex in there. Like the little tree trunks.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.
7: It's